Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It seems today that the rich have everything that they could possibly want. The best jobs, they drive the best cars, they take the best vacations, they eat at the best restaurants, and they have the best houses. The rich seem to have it all. Because they appear to have it all, there is at least a a stereotypical rich man attitude which looks down upon those whom they deem beneath them. They don't seem to need help from anyone. But on the other hand, then there's the poor. It seems that today the poor are more and more marginalized. Their basic needs often go unmet. They have no jobs. They drive no cars. They take no vacation. They eat whatever they can find and live wherever they can find shelter. While the rich appear to have everything, the poor seem to have nothing. The poor seem to need help from everyone, from handouts to government programs to churches and charitable organizations. The poor are always looking up in mercy uh, to live at the mercy of others. Well, that's today, but dear brothers and, si- brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not just today that this dichotomy, this divide or chasm between the rich and poor exists. It goes back through the ages. Over the past few weeks, we've heard the parables of Jesus, earthly stories that reveal a heavenly reality. Two weeks ago, it was parables or stories of those things that were lost. And last week, about a shrewd manager and the faithful master. But today we hear another parable. In this parable, Jesus is telling a story about the rich and the poor. He's telling a parable about a no-name rich man and a poor lame beggar named Lazarus. And this, by the way, is the only parable where Jesus names one of the characters in his story. And this is a pointed story, a pointed story that's aimed squarely at the Pharisees. The Pharisees who claim to hear God's word and who, who, who claim to keep it, but who are instead in their hearts lovers of money. I want you to hear in Jesus' parable this contrast between the rich and the poor, and we'll ponder what that means for us today. From Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, Jesus said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. Here is a man who could afford the most expensive dyed fabrics, who ate whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. The man denied himself nothing that his money could buy him. In a day where feasts were reserved for hosting special guests or for for wedding celebrations, the picture that we get of this guy is that he spares No expense on himself. He is blessed with an abundance of material resources, and he is living as if they are his and his alone. By contrast, Jesus goes on and says, at his gate, at this rich man's gate, was was laid a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores, 
who desired to be fed from whatever fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The picture is of Lazarus, a polar opposite. He had no place to call home. He had no money. He was laid at the rich man's gate, which means that someone had to put him there because presumably he couldn't walk on his own. He had nothing to eat. He wanted the scraps that fell from the table. He was clothed only in sores. And dogs came up and licked him. Now dogs here are not your family pets. Dogs in the scriptures are these wild, unclean. They devour the dead like vultures. So these dogs here had the taste of death on their tongues as they were licking the sores of Lazarus. Lazarus is laid at the Jewish rich man's gate so that, so that the rich man would presumably put into practice God's word to, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God from Micah 6.8 or quite simply to love your neighbor as yourself, to not be a lover of money but to be a lover of mercy. Now, the rich man and the Pharisees whom this parable is first aimed at were, were lovers of, of money. If they were lovers of mercy, then they should have taken Lazarus in, cleaned him up, clothed him, fed him. That's what faith in action would have looked like in this parable. But instead, the rich man chose to deny mercy to poor Lazarus. The rich man chose to live faithless. As we go on in this parable, both men die. Both the rich man and poor Lazarus die, and then there's separation of another kind. The rich man is separated from his fancy clothes, his sumptuous feasting, his luxurious house, his high status in his community. He is dead. Lazarus dies as well and is separated, but he is separated from the gate of the rich man. He's separated from his sores and from those dogs who want to devour him. He is separated from the shame and the disgrace of having mercy repeatedly denied him. They both die, rich and poor alike, and yet they go on living. They live though they have died, but they do not live in the same way place. They're separated. To the shock of the Pharisees who hear this, the poor man died and he's carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Lazarus had been laid at the rich man's gate in his impoverished, diseased life. But now in death, the angels themselves lay him at the very bosom of Abraham, the highest place of honor. Lazarus is in the paradise of God. He is at rest, uh, and he's there feasting sumptuously in this eternal heavenly banquet. Lazarus is in the presence of God. 
He is at rest from all that assailed him in this earthly life. And the rich man? The rich man is in hell. Not just Sheol or Hades, the place of the dead in general, but in hell being tormented with fire, the place that is set aside for the devil and all of his host, a place of suffering and punishment. And from that place, the rich man called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water, And cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in the flame. For the rich man, there is no relief. Lazarus is with the Lord. The rich man is apart from the Lord. Heaven and hell, those are the only two options after this earthly life ends. Why is it that this rich man arrives in hell? Listen again to the attitude of the rich man. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Have mercy on me, even though I failed to show mercy to Lazarus. Do for me what I have not done. But see, this is not said with an attitude of repentance and contrition or remorse. This is a rich man's entitled demand. Send Lazarus. Send that poor, pathetic pariah to do my bidding. See, the thing is, hell doesn't change the rich man. It only serves to reveal and to confirm the person the rich man was in his earthly life. A faithless and unmerciful man who acts like the world is owed to him and demands that his desires are fulfilled. Now to the rich man in the parable, Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and now you are in anguish. And beside all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. There is separation. The rich man got exactly what he desired. He got that separation from that poor beggar. But that chasm can now not be crossed. Lazarus couldn't come to show mercy to the rich man regardless of his demands. And Lazarus, he couldn't come to show mercy to the rich man, even if it was Lazarus's great desire to do so. In his earthly life, the rich man could have humbled himself. He could have crossed the economic divide. He could have served Lazarus. But in death, that divide between heaven and hell cannot be crossed. So why does the rich man arrive in hell? Because he ceased to live, sorry, because he chose to live a faithless and unmerciful life. He is in hell because he chose the love of money over the love of mercy. He is in hell because he chose to be there. 
Jesus ends the parable like this. He says, the rich man uh, said, then I beg you, Father, to send Lazarus. Again, he wants this poor Lazarus to do his bidding. Send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to the rich man, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the parable is first told to the self-righteous Pharisees who were lovers of money and who persisted in failing to show mercy. They were faithless toward God's mercy for them. And many of them refused to believe in Jesus, even though Christ Jesus himself rose from the dead. But look at the mercy that our Lord shows. Jesus loved them enough to warn them of what would come in life after death. He loved them enough to warn them that a life lived without faith in Christ Jesus would lead to a life, an eternity, separated from Christ. Jesus came to show mercy to them now because it would be too late for them when they died. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, What should we take from this parable? How should we hear this parable of Jesus? Did Jesus tell this parable so that all who read it will will know that the rich go to hell and the poor go to paradise? Or as someone more clever than I said, live well and go to hell? Live in pain and get great grain? That's a tongue twister. Get great gain? No. No. If that were the case, then most of us here would be in trouble, along with the well-off saints, including Job and Abraham himself. It would mean that God demands that we denounce all of our creaturely comforts, all of our earthly blessings, and seek instead a life of pain and suffering, simply so that we can gain great things at the resurrection. Look, if that's what Jesus meant, well, then there would be no need for the cross, his or ours. So why is it that Jesus told the parable? Jesus tells this parable to show us God's mercy when all others fail. I said earlier that, that in all the parables that Jesus spoke, This is the only one where a character is named. The name Lazarus means the one whom God helps. In the parable, the rich man failed to help Lazarus, but God doesn't. Lazarus doesn't sit at Abraham's side because of the fact that he was poor or had sores or couldn't walk or because he couldn't catch a break. He was born by the angels to the bosom of Abraham because God was the one who helped him. His faith was in Christ. God showed him mercy when the rich man failed to because that is the character and the nature of God. 
So do you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when the rug gets pulled out from underneath you and it seems like there was no one to help you or to show you mercy, remember this fact. God does. When friends fail, health declines, and jobs come to an end, it is God who is your help and your hope. How can I say that with conviction and assurance? It's because God shows his mercy by crossing the great divide for us. Unlike the rich man who doesn't cross the divide of the gate or the Pharisees who, who distanced people by their love of money, God crosses that great chasm, that great divide caused by our sin to show each and every one of you mercy. For our sin should divide us from God now and for eternity, keeping us sitting outside the gates of heaven. Yet, but in God's mercy, He sends His only Son to the cross to cross over for us, to come from heaven to earth, to take up the poverty of our sin, of one being born of the Virgin Mary, to suffer under Pontius Pilate, to be crucified, to actually die and be buried. See, this is where the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has come to be our ultimate help and to show his divine mercy to us all. How is it that Lazarus, or anyone else for that matter, is in heaven? By receiving the riches of Christ's mercy shown clearly in the cross of Jesus. From the cross of Jesus, the dichotomy between rich and poor is so reversed. Here the riches of God are poured out to us. Poor, miserable sinners. Here the chasm from death to life is crossed. And here at the cross, we become ones who are helped by God. As our Lord brought us to the cross in our baptism, as He brings us to the cross in His Word, as He brings us to His side in the communion rail, the Lord gives us mercy undeserved and help much needed. Mercy and help for this life, for the life that lasts forever. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus shows us a God who is rich to us in mercy. It calls us to repent of any love of money and, and to seek and to help, uh, to seek our help and our hope in Christ Jesus alone. He calls us to live in faith to God and in loving mercy for our neighbors. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.